There's a common expression that you'll never think about the same way again after our next story. The saying is, it came out of the blue. It means unexpected, but with a twist. At first, everything's going fine. Nothing overhead but the blue sky. No reason to think that might change. And then, bang, or in this case, flash. Something big happens and nothing is ever the same. I made a decision to survive. You're in that survival mode. The the idea of dying wasn't in my head. I knew immediately it was a worst case scenario. I was in a fight for my life situation. Whenever you walk out on these trails, you're in their house. I'm Louisa Albanese, and you're listening to Out Alive by Backpacker. In each episode of this podcast, we'll bring you real stories of real people who survived the unsurvivable. I saw the rope zip through the rappel ring, and I couldn't do anything. Learn what went wrong, what went right, and how you can escape if the worst case scenario happens to you. There is no way we would find anybody alive. Stephanie Ingram, a mother of five from Indiana, spent her childhood moving around the West. My dad worked as a landscape architect for the Forest Service. So he would design, you know, campsites and where to put a road or where to put a scenic byway. And, you know, I definitely gained this love of mountains and the forest from him. I remember my first backpacking experience was into some mountains near La Grande, Oregon. And I just kept thinking, I want to do this for the rest of my life. This is amazing. <laughs> Pretty sure that's where I started picking up on, wait, like you can backpack around Mount Rainier, you know, and man, that come full circle later. As the years passed, Stephanie's affinity for the outdoors translated into a love of running. She drifted from the mountains when she settled into the Midwest to start a family but hit the trails as often as she could to feel the freedom of moving her body in the fresh air. Stephanie was young and active. No one expected her to fall ill. So my health issues really started back um, when I got pregnant with my first daughter back in 2003. I, um, I had hyperemesis, but I also started fainting along with that, which is not necessarily terribly uncommon when you have hyperemesis. Hyperemesis is a pregnancy complication that would have explained Stephanie's symptoms. But when the episode started occurring after Stephanie had her kids, things took a more serious turn. We ended up doing a couple of tests in the hospital to really check the rhythm of my heart. And that's when they found out that I wasn't just experiencing these fainting episodes, that my heart was actually flatlining. You know, was going into cardiac arrest for anywhere from, you know, about 15 seconds to about 55 seconds. You know, Stephanie has a history of fainting a lot. That's Rick, Stephanie's father. She would faint at McDonald's and Her kids, her little kids would tell other people, oh, mommy does this all the time, you know, it's okay. 
you know, I'd be in my car with my five kids and I would feel the symptoms coming on. So I'd hurry and pull over in a parking lot or on the side of the interstate. Or, you know, I'd be out for these runs and I was just kind of fainting. It definitely became this debilitating thing. There were a lot of times where I was like, God, all I want to do is like take care of my family. And I, I feel like I can't even do that. So in April of 2017, I received a cardiac pacemaker. It just helped me in the best of ways and my health improved like I had never dreamed that it could. I was able to get my heart rate back up and being active and running even through all these heart conditions was really, really crucial to, to my health. So I received the pacemaker and right off the bat, one of these bucket list items that I just really had been anxious and so excited to attack was to hike the Wonderland Trail that circumvents Mount Rainier. So I made the plans. I worked really hard to train. I could run 20 miles at about a nine minute per mile pace. And then I would go to my gym and I would throw a pack on and just climb on this incline treadmill for about an hour to two hours each morning, just to try to get my body in shape and my heart in shape so that I could really attack this goal. The Wonderland Trail circumnavigates Washington's Mount Rainier over 93 miles of intense climbs and long descents over high alpine passes through low forests and wildflower-laden meadows. While hundreds of hikers endeavor the bucket list trail every year, for an amateur backpacker like Stephanie, this is no joke. Throughout her training and diligent research on the hike, one disagreement kept persisting with her family, the fact that she wanted to do it alone. She has this strange fascination with, you know, hiking, doing this alone, which I was 100% against. Here's Greg, Stephanie's husband. Rule number one, you know, backpacking and hiking in the mountains is don't do it alone, right? I felt so strongly that I needed to go. And even if it's, it's okay if it's even just, I need to have this awesome experience to prove to myself that I can do it to have a non-stop five days of clarity and peace was a huge, huge motivation for me. And then finally, we kind of figured out that her dad could come up and kind of be a, a support person to at least have somebody in the general vicinity. I didn't want to also force someone else to go the pace that I wanted to go. I knew that I could push myself physically, but I couldn't push someone else. I, I kept quizzing my dad and my father-in-law and my husband like, okay, give me another dangerous situation I could be in on my own. What should I do? And I thought I had prepared so well that no tragedy could possibly be harder than what I had already lived through. So I put in my permit, I bought my plane ticket, and I was off. The other part of their deal was that her family would be able to track Stephanie at all times. Before I left, um, I rented a spot GPS tracker 
to where my husband could follow me around the mountain. You know, if I was going slower than normal, we had pre-programmed a little sentence that just said, I'm going slower than normal, but I'm feeling fine. And then there was an SOS button. And my husband and I had come to this agreement that I just, I was never gonna push that button. And I especially wasn't gonna push that button for anything trivial. <laughs> it was gonna be, to be dramatic, life or death. So I start hiking and those first three miles were just so difficult and so hard. I, it was hard to wrap my head around like, why did I sign myself up for this? Like, there's no way I can go another 90 miles, you know? Although Rick was planning to meet Stephanie at campsites most nights, he wouldn't be able to communicate with her at any other time. Mount Rainier National Park, there is no cell coverage that you can find within the park. So literally once I saw her disappear on the trail that Wednesday night, I would have no communication with her until the next night. After I kind of wrapped my head around like how uncomfortable it was gonna be, I really, really, really settled in and started to love this hike. The stunning beauty, the ability to to be out there on my own and just mostly proving to myself that I had this healthy body and that I was strong and I could do this thing. That very first day I hiked 13 miles, the next day I believe was 24. And then that evening I met up with my dad and I was feeling awesome. I got her a hot meal and, and she wasn't sore at all. I knew she was okay. And then the next morning is my fourth day. So it's Saturday and I have about 24, 25 miles again to, to tap out. Just like the previous three days, just stunning blue sky. I was able to see a mama bear and her two cubs. I met this amazing man from South Africa and we hiked for a few hours together. There was these marmots that I saw that I'd heard about and stopped to take pictures of them. And I'm accomplishing this amazing bucket list item for myself. When all of a sudden I kind of feel this drop of hail hit my arm. During such a pristine day, the abrupt change in weather with no warning took Stephanie by surprise. So I pause for just a second and then I kind of get this nudge like I should pick up my pace. So I really start moving now and I'm running and all of a sudden I hear the loudest boom I have ever heard in my life and at the same exact trillionth of a second it's just this flash of bright light right in front of my eyes. And that's the last thing that I remember. So the next thing that I know, I am laying on my back and it takes me some time to kind of get my bearings. 
Now, both the blessing and the curse is that I've had a lot of experience with passing out. And my very first thought that I had was that I was so disappointed <laughs> that, I, that I had somehow passed out again. You know, my thoughts were like, here I am, I'm, I'm healthy again. How did I pass out? What happened to my heart or my pacemaker? But then things kind of pick up speed at that point. And I, I have intense ringing in my ears, like high-pitched ringing. And I realize that my nose is bleeding. And I look up above me and I'm trying to make out what I'm seeing. And basically the, the view above me is these tall trees and there's like bright red and bright orange and even some black and kind of this grayish white kind of falling down. And again, I know it, it just took me some time to kind of figure out what it was. And then I realized, oh my gosh, that sound and that light, that was lightning. And these trees above me are on fire. Lightning had struck a tree mere feet in front of Stephanie, not being sure how much time had passed since she had gone unconscious. Stephanie's gut reaction was to get up and run. I just bolt. I, I get up to kind of this staggering kind of run walk. The ringing is still there and I'm really disoriented, but I, I start moving and I get to where I'm probably about a quarter mile away. And I stop myself and I take three deliberate, really big breaths just to calm myself down, trying to convince myself like, this isn't as big of a deal as your brain just made it. Like you need to go back and just assess the situation and see if I can go back down the mountain towards my dad. So I go back to this fire spot and before I can get too close, where I had just been laying down was now completely on fire. I realized I just went from surviving, you know, a near lightning strike to now I've got a forest fire that is rapidly picking up speed. So I bolt again and I flip around and I go back the way that I had just been hiking and I run for an entire mile straight. And the entire time I'm running, I'm thinking, okay, I don't know that much about fires. Like, do I get off the trail and go around this fire? Who knows what is on the other side? Or if I get off trail, am I gonna get lost? Am I gonna be in another kind of search and rescue situation? If I keep running, do I run all the way to where I can get to the closest source of water? Like, can I actually outrun a forest fire? I really, really contemplated this and thought about it. And for me, the answer was no. Running all the way to this source of water was dangerous for me because that blood pressure of mine. <laughs> the more I'm active, the more that's gonna be drained. And then I stood there and I thought, am I really willing to get caught in a forest fire when I actually have a call for help right with this spot GPS that I had? And I really, really had to think hard about this if I 
if I push this button, you know, Greg at home, my husband is just going to be completely worried sick. And, you know, I really had to ask myself, am I in a life or death situation here? And do I actually push this button? And overwhelmingly it was yes. You know, I pulled back the black flap that is on this spot GPS and I just held down that button. So I was outside with the kids and had my cell phone with me and I see that I, there was a call coming in from Texas. That's Greg again, Stephanie's husband. And they said, you know, this is spot GPS. We have you listed as the emergency contact. Is this Greg? And, um, you know, obviously immediately my, my heart sank because I was like, what, what happened? What's going on? And they just knew that it had been activated. So I'll admit that I was in a little bit of denial, right? Because the agreement was, all right, you're only going to hit that if you're severely injured. Was it a broken leg? Had she passed out? Was it her, you know, her pacemaker, her heart, a bear? You know, there's really a lot of options that I had. Fire was not, definitely not one of them. Lightning strike, uh, that really wasn't one of the options. So, you know, I ran back inside and, and looked at the online map and it showed where she'd hit the spot GPS. And, you know, by looking at that, I was able to determine that her dad really wasn't very far away. Greg reasoned that if he could get in contact with Stephanie's dad, Rick, that he would be able to get to Stephanie much faster than search and rescue. If anybody can get there fast, it's going to be him. So I started calling my father-in-law, but what I found out was there was no service. So I called and called and called and called and texted, texted, no service. Um, I called my mother-in-law who was in Southern Utah at the time and, you know, asked her, have you talked to Rick? Meanwhile, Stephanie's father had been waiting for her at their agreed upon campsite. Out of the blue, I had this impression that I needed to go out and check in to see how Stephanie was. So I start up the truck and I have to go out of the park about seven miles in order to find some cell coverage. And I get outside the park and I call and hear my phone starts dinging off and I have all these messages. So I just call Melanie, my wife, and she says, Stephanie has pushed her SOS button. You've got to get up there. So I'm racing back into the park because I'm going to be the hero here. I'm going to run up the mountain and see where Stephanie is. I have no idea what the situation is as far as her reasoning for pushing SOS. But so I get back to probably takes me 20 minutes to get back to the trailhead head. I load up my my little backpack and I start up the trail. Stephanie found a clearing where she thought a helicopter would be able to land and anxiously awaited rescue. It was probably about a 25 minute span of me trying to keep myself from going completely crazy. I thought for sure I was going to die because of my heart. I never thought that I would burn in a fire. 
you know, and I think for me, just visualizing seeing that trail that I had been on, just kind of going through the middle of this forest fire was terrifying. And realizing I had gotten myself out of that little spot just in time. I just wanted one adventure out in the wild, do you know what I mean? And I wanted to live through it and in a way, yes, prove to my husband or (laughs) whoever, naysayers kind of thing, but to myself that I could do kind of this, this thing in my mind that felt really, really big. And I think when you're so terrified it's hard to not feel like, wait, I I should have prepared more. I should have read more. I found out I don't do a great job of handling emergency situations when I when I can't be active in doing something about it. Um, but just staying in that clearing and hopefully the, the other end of what was happening with the spot GPS that it was sending the help that I needed. At that very moment, it would have been easy for Stephanie to give up hope. But it wasn't going to be a person who saved her life that day. It was going to be nature itself. All of a sudden, I feel a raindrop um, one by one just kind of start falling. And I was so dead set on rescue and I was so dead set on the only kind of rescue that would work would be a helicopter that I never thought about nature's way of providing a solution. And I found myself on (laughs) the side of this mountain, you know, um, in a complete downpour of rain Basically, everything that had been on fire was now just this black, burnt area. There was a lot of ash and smoke, and there were still these little spitfires that were like popping up. The entire time there was zero wind, which is phenomenal. And it turned out that my little personal miracle that day was rain. Shortly after the rainstorm diminished the fire, a man who had been out for a day hike suddenly appeared on the trail. So as we're walking by, I hear his phone ding, and I'm like, oh my goodness, you have service. So I hurry and I try to call Greg, and he couldn't hear me very well, but basically the only thing I was able to get out to him was, I'm safe, I am alive. I looked at my phone rings, I looked down and it's her. And I, I, I could hardly make out. It was really, really, you know, fuzzy and, and kind of scratchy. And I remember, you know, she's like, hello, hello. I was like, are you okay? Yes, I'm okay. So he and I were able to walk out the three and a half-ish, four miles from the Cowlitz Divide area to Box Canyon. And around the corner comes Stephanie and this guy <laughs> and and again, I I'm going what for her to be three feet away from a lightning strike, and her pacemaker to be perfectly fine is an absolute miracle.
Stephanie was finally safe. Lightning had struck within arm's length of her, but it wasn't until much later that Stephanie would come to realize just how close to death she came. So after we got home, I actually met with my electrophysiologist who put in my pacemaker and, you know, told him this whole story. He said, you know, if if a lightning strike would have actually gone through your body with a pacemaker, you know, you have like this metal piece device in your heart with wires plugged into your heart to make it beat you would not have survived it. It would have been a fried circuit board. She had planned so much, but in the end, it all came down to chance. You realize, oh my goodness, like all these seconds were were adding up to create just enough distance for me away from this tree that got struck by lightning. I could have like, I could have stopped and not taken that one picture, or I could have ran even faster through this portion or I could have not looked at how cute those marmots were or really just stood there for like an hour with my jaw on the ground staring at a mama bear and her cubs. Seconds mattered <laughs> on that day and I'm, and I'm so grateful. Like there are things out there that you can't prepare for that these surprise elements to life that just pop up and you know, we have seconds and minutes of trying to make the best decision that we can make in those moments. Instead of just packing up and going home, Stephanie decided to return to the Wonderland Trail a few days later to finish out what she had started. I knew I would be disappointed in myself if I just didn't finish it, it was 10 miles. I could have gotten off the mountain and been like, it's fine. And I got almost struck by lightning. And so I finished my hike. Maybe that's when you need to finish it the most, right? You go through something difficult and you just finish it. Unconquerable soul, just do it. (laughs) That day was just this quiet, peaceful, completely calm, another sunshine day, you know, (laughs) blue skies but just grateful that I was able to walk out on my own two feet and finish all of the miles that I had set out to do and just in complete awe and gratitude. Because our time's not guaranteed. We don't know what's down the path. And just knowing that you are going to be able to pull through and come out better on the other side because of it is... You can't put a price on that. You can't, you can't quantify that. It's just so profound to feel hope. This episode of Out Alive was produced by me, Louisa Albanese, along with Zoe Gates and Sammy Potter. Our story editor and sound designer was Andrew Mares. Our assistant story editor was Tim Massa. Script writing was by Casey Lyons and Sammy Potter with help from Zoe Gates. This episode was mixed by Jason McDaniel from Electric Audio Inc. Thank you to Stephanie Ingram, Greg Ingram, and Rick Dustin for sharing your stories and perspectives. If you enjoyed this episode of Out Alive, please subscribe and leave us a review.